Let's head to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. We're very well known and loved and I pray practiced verse for keeping our thought life protected. I wrote this down today, I believe we grossly underestimate the importance of the helmet of salvation in protecting our thoughts. If we don't control what we think, our life's out of control. We'll come to wrong conclusions and we'll live a life that's not pleasing to the Lord. And we're continuing in this thought about our thinking. If you couldn't see, could never have seen, couldn't hear, never have heard, there's a lot of things that you wouldn't think about unless you were communicated somehow otherwise by touch or so forth. Because a lot of the things we think about come through the eye gate and the ear gate. And so set a guard, set a guard on these things that we be walking pleasing to the Lord. Let's pray before we look at this first verse about holy thinking. Heavenly Father, thank you that you've given us the ability, being made from the dust of the ground, to be able to think your thoughts after you, to be able to read your word and memorize it and meditate upon it and muse over it, Lord, and, and think about what you're telling us and that we can, with our minds and hearts, communicate with you. Lord, it is truly a great thing that you've done for us. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that my soul knoweth right well. Lord, I pray that we might keep a control on what we see and hear and do, and upon our mind it makes us do these things that are not right. Bless the word to our, to our hearts tonight, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> We've looked last time at haughty thinking, harmful thinking, and uh, <clears throat> we're looking tonight starting with holy, holy thinking. Finally, brethren, in verse Philippians 4.8, whatever things are true. We hear a lot about fake news today, don't we? And there's a lot of fake stuff getting around in Christian circles too. Now be careful to listen to what's true, not the thoughts of a man or not the thoughts of somebody who's trying to take advantage of you financially. <laughs> you know, advertising people can sell stuff. What was the old saying? Sell ice to an Eskimo. <laughs> but we, we need to be careful that it's be true. Whatever things are honest. Whatever things are honest. These are the things that are, we need to think on. Just. Are there unjust thoughts? Everywhere. Are there dishonest things? It's half honest. <laughs> it's not honest. Half honest. Like half truth. Um, <clears throat> whatever things are pure. I knew of a so-called pastor once that used to say things that you could take a double meaning on. Uh, why is he doing that? 
That's not pure. And is it to just get on side with the, the unsaved people that he does that? I don't know. Don't know where his heart is. God knows. Whatever things are lovely. And it's good to be able to communicate with people that have lovely thoughts. Thoughts of heaven and eternity. And said of the unlovely things of this world. <laughs> Whatever things are of good report. What does that eliminate right there? Gossip. Read through the book of Proverbs if you want to know about tail-bearing and gossip. It's over and over again that's, that's brought up. That are of good report. Good news from a far country blesses the soul, doesn't it? When you hear good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. And so thinking the Lord's thoughts after him, thinking holy thoughts. Let earlier in the book, well in chapter 2, 2 and verse 2, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Looking not every man on his own things. In lowliness of mind, let, you, let each esteem others better than themselves. And so, thinking after the Lord. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. That's Romans 12 and verse 16. <clears throat> In the Old Testament, there, were, there was the holy place. There was the holy altar. There was holy sacrifices. There was holy garments, there was holy ointments. There was many things that were called holy. But as you think through all those things, they're, they're things. That's what they are. In the New Testament, the focus instead is to spiritual holiness, our relationship with the Lord. Shadowed in the Old Testament ceremonies were these things that we are to be today. Like we have a holy calling, 2 Timothy 1.9, a holy calling. We have a holy faith. Jude 1 and verse 20. Well, there's only one chapter there. A holy faith. Um, we are a holy nation. And according to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. And it's referring to the church and not Israel. In, in that one. That's the only time that the church in New Testament is, is called that. And we understand what it means from the rest of the New Testament. But there are those that try to twist it to make it so. Well, that makes us part of the nation of Israel. The, <clears throat> we are established before God in holiness. 1 Thessalonians 3, 12 to 13. And there's something wonderful that we find in the second last chapter of the Bible. We are destined for a holy city. There's not one sin, not one thought, not nothing that is... is bad with the city or sinful about the city it's reading part of the conclusion of i'm at the end of the book so i'll probably stop quoting it now from from ridley's book and he he deals with the holy city and he deals with this the holiness and the beauty of it the glory of it and he goes through it in describing each some of the words that it's described by but the holy city what a different place to the unholy cities we have in our world today. There are cities, but what goes 
down in there. If I said King's Cross, what do you immediately think about? What city? Sydney. Sydney, Sydney did you say? I said <laughs> but that is, yeah, there's always a place of disrepute, places, many in these, but not in the holy city. It's eternally going to be a blessed place to live. Okay, <clears throat> heavenly thinking. Some say that some people are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. I've yet to meet one. <laughs> have you met a person that's so heavenly minded he's no earthly good? They might have said that about the Apostle Paul. He was very earthly good. <laughs> he, he blessed many people with a lot of things. And he's ministering. And he was heavenly minded. 2 Corinthians 3.5 reads, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Have a heavenly mindset. Um, <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 to 4. If I start it, you might be able to get it, keep it going. Set your affections on things above. I start on the second verse. <laughs> If ye be, if then ye be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things of the earth. Heavenly thinking. Set your affections on things above. For ye are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so, <clears throat> heavenly thinking. It gets your perspective right. It helps you adjust your thinking for this world and the things that tempt you to get it right, to devalue the things of this world that all will perish, as it says in Scripture, with the using thereof. Set your affections. Philippians, where we were. In chapter 3 and verse 20. Philippians 3 and verse 20. Our, for, for our... Conversation is in heaven. It's not like we're up there speaking in heaven, but our <clears throat> manner of life, our conversation is in heaven from which also we look for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's heavenly thinking. Our conversation will be heavenly centred if we're thinking about heavenly things. As a lot of preachers say, after the sermon you get out and start talking to each other. How's the weather? It's hot today, cold today. <laughs> but we don't talk about the heavenly things. Where's our thoughts? These heavenly things. And Matthew chapter 6, this one come to mind, verses 19 to 21. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up treasures in heaven. Um, <clears throat> for where your treasure is, there will your heart be. Also, it says in those verses there, Matthew six nineteen to 21, heavenly thinking. Um, <clears throat> and one, of, one from the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 7 to 9. Isaiah 55. Let the wicked forsake his way, 
and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Let's start adjusting to his thoughts, to heavenly thoughts, godly thoughts. And here, of course, Isaiah is rebuking the nation of Israel for their earthly-centered thinking. And God is saying to them, think my thoughts. Have a heaven, heavenly thoughts. And you think, from the Bible perspective, as God looks upon mankind on the earth, what is his thoughts toward us? What did he do before the foundation of the world? He gave his son before the foundation of the world for us. That's his thoughts toward us. His thoughts are way above our thoughts. We see people in the degradation of sin and and we say, oh, yuck, we could be there. We could be them. Praise God we're not. But for the grace of God, we say, there go, I. And so let's think like God thinks. Let's think of people. Let's think of the, the things of this world and the people of this world as God would have us think as he thinks of them. Heartening thoughts in Psalm 139. Verse 1 and 2, and I've written a lot of these for the sake of time. Psalm 139, verse 1 and 2. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsittings and mine uprisings. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Isn't that a heartening thought? <laughs> that God understands our thoughts afar off. So as it reads in Romans chapter 8, when we cannot pray for the things that we ought to, and uh, one, two, then the Spirit of God knows the groanings of our hearts and he can take those thoughts into the presence of God and he, he knows our thoughts and he can express them in prayer. He knows the groanings of our heart and the, and the things that we're going through that maybe nobody else knows about. Heartening thoughts. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. Let's turn, turn to this one, 1 Peter 1, 13. <clears throat> the helmet of salvation, protecting all the things that we think about. 1 <laughs> Peter 1, 13, where we read, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Gird up the loins of your mind. What's that? What's that meaning? <laughs> Don't have any loose ends. <laughs> okay. Don't have any loose ends. <laughs> Rabbit trails down here and down there, like an octopus with all these things going out, tentacles. <laughs> Gird them up, bringing them in. Bring the garment, the soldier, taking the garment up, tucking it in so he can go for it, not troop over. <laughs> And there are some loose ends in our thinking, aren't there? The helmet of salvation we need to protect us from the, the loose ends that we can go off. And because we're made in God's image and we can think and we can imagine 
things. I, I don't know what a cow thinks. I don't know what an animal thinks. But I, I, I think they don't imagine. <laughs> they act on instinct. But we can, as human beings, imagine, invent and do things, be, be creative, that they can't. And the danger is with the imagination, isn't it? It can run wild if we don't gird up the loins of our mind. That's the strength of our mind. It's where it happens, is it not? Again, back in Psalm 139 and verse 23, it reads, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Know my thoughts. If we say that, we ought to, we ought to mean it because he does know our thoughts. Does he not? Another one in this, in bringing our thoughts into hostage, you know, taking them captive and don't let them go unchecked, is 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 9. Before a criminal commits a crime, what has he already done? He's thought about it. When a person does not think about something and commits, a, commits an offence against somebody, what is, it, what is that called? No, no, that's the other one. <laughs> that's if you think about it. Impulsive. Impulsive. It's not meditated. Now, you, now, now the thought's gone. <laughs> Grab that one. It's um, manslaughter. It's not like you, I intend to do, do that. What's the word? Anyway. <laughs> Good. You don't intend. God knows. And we ought to bring in these thoughts to, uh, to captivity. When we let our imaginations go wild on any subject, temptation comes our way. God will provide a way of escape, but we have to take it. Gossip. The imagination can embellish. The story goes around the circle. You know, you do that in a, in a, in a, in a group of people. Tell someone something and it has to get to the end of the line or the circle and see how the story has changed. <laughs> and so it is with gossip and slander and tail-bearing. Gird it up. Um, <clears throat> a look. A tone of voice. And our imagination can go wild about what the intent was. Fear and worry. Gird up the loins of your mind. As it says in 2nd, we're going to 2nd Corinthians, chapter 10 and verse 5. We read there, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's expressing what was expressed in 1 Peter 1.13. Gird up the loins of your mind. Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of the Lord Jesus. Would he think this? If he wouldn't, and it's not holy thinking, exit. Cast down these imaginations. And these high things that exalt themselves against the Lord. Uh, <clears throat> Ezekiel 8.12 says, Son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the chambers of his imaginary. For they say, The Lord seeth us not, 
the Lord hath forsaken the earth. This is when Israel had gone captive, part, part of them, and the others were going to cop it, and another captivity happened. But they, in their chambers of their imaginary, they say, well, God doesn't know. He doesn't know what I'm thinking. Nobody does. God, ah, yes, he does. Yes, he does. Bring them into captivity. Hostage thoughts. Make them hostage. And helpful thoughts. Helpful thoughts. The last one there. Proverbs 12, verse 5. The thoughts of the righteous are right. The thoughts of the righteous are right. The first half of that verse. Again in Proverbs 16, 13. I mean, 3, 16, 3. Commit the work unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Thy thoughts shall be established. You know, you're trying to do something. You're trying to think through something. What happens when you get older to try to think through something and put in logical order? It's harder to do. <laughs> it takes more time to do it. But we need to train our minds to think that way. You, if, if, <laughs> if you see a person's yard or their bedroom or their workshop, don't like to think about that, and it's all over the shop, <laughs> it's all over the place, what might their mind be? All over the place. It's not got a system to thinking about it. Does God think orderly? Oh, yeah. He says, do everything decently in order to us as well. I'm glad he thinks orderly because we couldn't live in a world or a universe that wasn't that way. Um, <clears throat> he's established his thoughts. He's, he's got them right. <laughs> Otherwise, nothing would work. Proverbs 21.5, a helpful thought. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness. And Corinthians 13, 11, 1 Corinthians, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. When I become a man, I put away childish things. And when people grow up and don't change their attitude from being childish, then they've got troubles. <laughs> Selfish, me first, earthly minded, temporal, I'm king of the castle, so forth and so on. <laughs> childish thinking. God wants us to get over that and uh, become men and think like men and toughen, toughen up. <laughs> As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We started with that and concluding with Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the what? Thoughts and intents of the heart and there's a helpful thought isn't it? god can discern and decipher and sort out what we think he knows our motive he knows why we do the things that we do so god's word does that for us let's put on the helmet of salvation and be sure to wear it every day all the time when we're awake now when we're asleep <laughs> you'll have dreams but you know what? Dreams, it says in the Bible, come from a multitude of business. Don't you find that you often dream about that which you've been thinking about during the day? It's uh, not necessarily working the same way, but if you have a dream, if maybe you don't dream. Who doesn't dream? 
I'm sure we all have a dream. <laughs> but the, the multitude of business. Uh, <clears throat> don't write them down. Dreams are not, <laughs> not interpreted today. They're not for today. But while we're awake, let's control our thoughts. Let's think after the Lord. Let's think about his word. Let's meditate upon it.